Welcome to The Stack, a weekly podcast where we discuss the latest in the world of sales, marketing, and tech, and dive into interesting topics like SEO, content marketing, and tools like HubSpot, Wistia, and Databox. And a whole lot more. <laughs> Today is Friday, August 31st, 2018, and we are coming to you from the Pepperland Marketing Studio here in Cheshire. I am your host for this week because Sean is in Ireland. I am Ryan Sylvester. And I'm Tim Staberski. Hi, Tim. I was actually, yeah, it's funny that you said, you know, which is based in Cheshire. It's like we should should say Cheshire, Connecticut, just because mm. with Sean in Ireland, he's uh, close true. to the the original Cheshire and could cause all kinds of issues. Is that you the original know. Cheshire? Well, it's in like uh, England, oh. but right, yeah, a lot closer than we are. I'm not cultured, so I don't know. <laughs> um, crazy week so far. Yes. Crazy week. Yes, it has been. Uh, so let's just dive right in. The first thing I have is from. TechCrunch and the title of the article is YouTube launches a suite of fundraising tools. So it's basically YouTube is adopting the GoFundMe page, um, you know, like attributes and people that see commercials or, you know, those, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Oh yeah. Uh, commercials yeah. for, you know, the dog, uh, that's there, there's an example in this article like that, that talks about, um, donating to an animal shelter and this and that. So, Basically how YouTube ads live now, it's going to be a little bar on the bottom and it's going to have like a donate button and it just makes it easier for people to donate to causes they feel, you know, connected to and stuff like that. It's, that's pretty cool. It's, it's similar sort of to what Facebook has been doing over the last year with their birthday fundraisers Yeah, where they're, um, they're, they're encouraging people to, for their, on their birthday, run a fundraiser for, you know, whatever, um, charity is important to them. And Facebook facilitates that, but they also kickstart you with a, a little bit of, of a donation, I think like $5. Mm. Um, I myself just did a fundraiser for um, the Diabetes Association for my birthday. And at the conclusion <laughs> of, of that, Facebook filled me on some stats. I guess in the first year of the, um, the program sort of being in its... In its infancy um facebook and users have donated 300 million dollars wow yeah it's a lot i wasn't i was not expecting that wow Um, that's crazy but a part of me also wonders there has to be something in it for facebook um whether that and for youtube you know whether that's maybe some kind of a tax write-off because it's like additional donations or if it's something to do with just picking up the the brand um, identity. I'm not sure what, but there's definitely an angle there. One of the things that it said in this article is that YouTube covers all of the transaction fees. So maybe once this, I mean, this is still in beta. So maybe, maybe that's where they're making the money. Maybe it could be a multitude of things. Like you said, I don't know, but I think it's a cool idea. I think that, you know, Oh, it's definitely putting this in front of the, putting this in front of faces of other people is, is probably helpful. I mean, if people are donating 300 million, through Facebook. I can't imagine what YouTube's going to pull in. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's definitely pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so another one from TechCrunch. Hold on. I'm, I jumbled all of my stuff. So there has been a, uh, a, a product in beta testing. Scientists have made a touch tablet that rolls and scrolls. So I'm sure that, it's going to be hard to paint this picture, but imagine 
it, you know, all right. So you, you know, when you go to the bank and they have those shoots that you put, you know, your, your money or your checks in and it gets up in the tube and then goes into the bank. Yeah. So it kind of looks like a smaller version of that and you kind of roll it out like a typewriter and it's a screen and you can type on it. It's so weird to look at it, We're, we're going to put the article in the show notes, but definitely check out the pictures. It's really cool. And, um, you can scroll it out to the size of a tablet or you can scroll it out to the size of like a regular phone and it's super fun. It's like paper. It's really cool. I'm, I'm looking at it and it definitely is cool, but it also, I'm just thinking to myself, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, cause like, like you said, it, it's, it's not small. The cylinder that it's ultimately scrolled into is not small. I, I right. see the, I see the value right. in having like something that could be the size of a phone or the size of a tablet in terms of a screen, mm. But the cylinder is like it's like carrying around a little baton with you right, wherever you go. Right. So I'm, I'm, it looks like a baseball bat right now. But they in the article they did talk about like we know while while still bulky at this R and D stage. I was gonna say know. this is definitely a first iteration, right. so it's it'll it'll definitely get smaller. Um, the scientists also reckon the scroll form factor offers a pleasing ergonomical option for making actual phone calls. I don't know what that means, but I think okay. that they mean it's going to be nice to hold up to your ear because it's like a piece of paper, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think it's cool. Um, no, it, it is very cool. I, this reminds me of a few years ago. They had like a bendable phone. Yeah. It never actually, it, it wasn't, they never actually went past like concept stage, but mm. some new glass polymer that you could bend the screen. The screen could bend more or less. Yeah. Um, and I was, I've, I've been waiting with bated breath to see <laughs> what they would do with that. And they yeah. just haven't yet. Yeah, maybe this is actually based off that technology. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they want to, you know, let us test it for a while. I'd be down, but just one of those things, but yeah, just another mm. cool thing. What you got, Tim. So in, um, you know, moving away from sort of that broader tech towards the world of Google. Um, I saw, uh, just yesterday on, well, they published it on the 27th. So that was Monday, Monday. Um, they Google has announced um, some new features for Google Ads, um, and they've they've been rolling out a couple of new features over the last last few weeks. You know, just last week they rolled out um, expanded headlines, so you could you could um, inc- include up to three headlines in your ads, mm. um, your your display ads. Um, sorry, your search ads. Um, some other functions related to to um, you know, smart cards, things like that. But so just just this week, what they've announced is um, an ad strength indicator, which displays right alongside your ad as you're in the creation process. So mm-hmm. as you're filling out the information, it's there and it's kind of grading you, and it's trying, it's telling you based off of what the platform has learned over the years and based off of what your other, how your other ads in the camp, your campaigns are doing, um, how Google ads expects your ad to perform. Um, and if it's not like 100%, it offers some suggestions like add a few more headlines or make your headlines more unique mm, yeah. or make your descriptions more unique. Yoast kind of does that in WordPress a little bit when you're filling out. I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just based on length, but um, you know, the, the little, and that goes yeah. up to green and that's kind of cool though. I, I like that. It's, it's definitely helpful because up till now um, you've sort of been stuck with just n- making assumptions until you see 
how your ads perform, and then you have to go back and make adjustments. Now right. you at least have that baseline of how Google, I mean, in general, you should know, or you should have an idea of how your ads are going to perform, um, especially if you've been running them for a while. Right. But you don't have access to all the information that Google has access to. And when they see patterns, it's because it's profitable. Like they, they know, <laughs> right. they know what, what right. works across the board. Right. So their suggestions probably in general, um, unless your business is drastically different from the norm, uh, are probably a good idea. It's usually a good follow. idea to follow the, follow the Google way. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's pretty cool. There's also like a live preview now as you're building the ad. It'll oh, sh- nice. it, I'm not sure if that's, if that's live just yet, but, um, you can see how it will, um, display as you're sort of creating it. Um, super, again, super helpful. Make, just making sure that your ad is going to look the way you want it without having to then go back in mm. and make changes after the fact. Just streamlines the process a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty helpful. It kind of cuts down the testing. Well, not I don't know about testing so much, but kind of cuts down the the questioning of your ad for a little bit. Yeah, and you you also had so had seen something this week um, about Google too, right? So yeah, and I actually tested this this morning, and it didn't work for me. But, <laughs> so Google Assistant supports multilingual responses now, and um, I pulled up a little graph here. I have to look at this. Okay, so the normal when it was only one language, you would speak. To, uh, to a Google Home, and it would just recognize that one language, and it would do an actionable command. But now, in the multilingual assistant, it recognizes the language, speech recognition, speech recognition in the language, and then user preferences, and then does the actionable command. So it's taking a lot of time. Um, and they said that they've been working on this for like five years. So it's definitely no you know easy feat to overcome. Well, I mean, if you think about... Um what go, just thinking about what goes into the the you know, Google Translate, it's crazy. I was talking to Sean about this a few weeks, maybe a few months ago. Mm. Um, I used Google Translate back in 2005, right. 2006, and 2007 to get myself um, pretty darn good grades in Spanish class. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's crazy to think that me and my friends and everyone you know, back then using Google Translate has sort of been giving Google this data Yeah. that over yeah. the years they've been using to refine their software, refine their algorithms, understand language better, which, you know, in general, it's, it's being applied across the board in things like um, voice search. But now with, with this multilingual aspect, understanding one language, understanding how one language works mm. is hard. <laughs> understanding yeah, how two took four years and I don't know a lot. So understanding how two separate languages works mm. is even harder because they can be drastically different rules. Right. Merging those two languages into a single sentence as can, I mean, honestly, nearly impossible, especially because that's the kind of, of Creole that is spoken by people on an individual or a family basis. There's no like universal rules. I have, right. I have friends who are Spanish and the, you know, their, their parents were Spanish and they were um, like, let's say they were from Chile and they're, they were raised, they were born and raised in America. So at home they speak this strange mix of, of Spanish and English. Mm-hmm. And for them it's natural for me. It sounds 
really weird when I hear right. just a random right. English speak uh, English word thrown in. And for Google, that's so much computing um, power that has to go into understanding it. Right, right. And I, I mean, that's in that type of language. You know, variation is true everywhere. I remember when I was back in college and learning all about the Italian language and how many different variations it was just for the different region. So when I asked Google today if you if it could play a song, it said, I can't help with that yet. <laughs> so I think that it's it, it's going to take some time for sure, but the I think that the main reason they did this, and this was kind of apparent throughout, um, so this article was on Search Engine Roundtable, and then they linked to the Google blog. And both both articles said that, you know, multilingual households are becoming more and more apparent. So I think that's why they did it. They're recognizing that a lot of these households have a lot of, you know, different languages in them and, and that they're they're trying to appeal to all types of families. So I, I think it's pretty cool. Didn't work for me, but pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um I I do wonder what the applications might be for us in the future, for, for advertisement, uh, advertising, marketing in the future. Mm. Um, it, it, honestly, I think it just, it just further speaks to that fact that when you are writing content, whether it's advertising or marketing, you want it to sound natural because more and just more and more is going, is moving towards this natural language right. processing and towards this, um, sort of conversational tone. Yeah. And I mean, Google wants to understand individual Creole languages. Right. That's pretty crazy to, right. that, to think that they could ever have done that. Um, I, I wonder if, well, depending on how good your Spanish is, because we have a featured snippet for an article and it, I wonder if Google would recognize that in Spanish if we asked it. The, the question that triggers our featured snippet on a Google Home, I wonder if it would. We'll have to do that after the podcast. But. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's definitely something we should try. Um, interesting, though. Definitely interesting. Yeah. A couple of other things in the world of Google. Um, the first, and you know, I we don't we don't want to make this show political, but as a marketer, I feel like we have to, especially as you know, as as SEO marketers, we have to address um, what President Trump has been talking about this week in terms of Google and how it, it, he believes Google to be suppressing the voice of conservatives by only showing information that is critical of him. Mm. Um, and just very briefly, I think what's important for, for us and even for Google to keep in mind is this is, um, a direct result of the fact that Google keeps its algorithm and the factors that contribute to ranking a secret if they made it clear what those factors were, then people like president Trump and others who sort of have that conspiracy theory view would understand that there are hundreds of different factors that go into determining what Google ranks for. And none of it has to do with suppressing um, voices of anyone. Um, I mean, it's, it's just honestly a little mind boggling to me. It makes me kind of sad that, that this theory is out there. Um, but again, not, not wanted, uh, but, but to that point, it's also perfectly understandable and reasonable to understand why Google doesn't put that information out there right. because doing so would mean websites and marketers and 
whatnot would be trying to game the system. They'd be, you know, they'd be breaking Google essentially. So like, I'm not saying Google should be more transparent, but I think, I do think that there's, it's gotta be some way for them to sort of dance around it, explain what's going on without revealing too much. I mean, I, I think that it's, it should be easy to understand that, you know, every president is, you know, there, there's people that are always going to attack and, and always people that are going to defend, but good stuff doesn't make good news. <laughs> so if, if, if president Trump is worried about all of his stuff being out there in the news, I mean, that's, what's getting all those comments. That's what's getting the links. I mean, everyone is, yeah. everyone is linking to that stuff. I mean, let's say he did, he did do something good in the news, you know, and, and people started linking to it and all that stuff. I mean, obviously it would turn around and it would probably be well, it's there, just, but like when you think of, so, so to, to that point, the, the sort of the, the linking, the link factors mm. to keep in mind, of course, it's going to be how many people are linking to this article. You know, how many different websites are linking to an article or to a domain mm-hmm. because that speaks to authority. Um, that's important for everyone. Um, it's, but also just with, um, with in terms of um, news, it, I mean, timeliness matters. Right. If, you, if you're doing a search with the word news in it, Google takes that into account and presents information specifically tailored to newer information. <laughs> so right. if there's a lot of negative news coverage one day, might mean you've done a lot of negative things one day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or yeah. Maybe, maybe there should be a little less controversy. I don't know. I'm just saying it's not that Google is trying to suppress you. It's just that's what Google sees and understands that its users want. Yeah, it's it's the engagements and interactions and yeah. the background. But Bob, well, well, that's a side note. Yeah, again, <laughs> not trying to get political, but it's like, you know, this is this is our world this is our livelihood it gets kind of scary when when um the president starts talking about something that honestly he clearly doesn't really understand well i think that a lot i mean i mean a lot of people don't a lot of people don't understand you know and that's and that's just the world we live in which i think is good well it's good (laughs) and bad it's good to it it, i feel like the norm non-marketers people you know like my brother doesn't need to know about the algorithms yeah. of Google, you know, he just, he just sees what's important. So, but so breaking away from that, but related to that, um, just yesterday, uh, similar uh, related president Trump, um, announced or, or made some comments, um, about the idea that Google, Amazon and Facebook and some of the other big tech companies may be nearing antitrust territory. Um, he hasn't actually signaled that this is something he's going to be pursuing or that the administration will be pursuing. Um, but if they do decide to pursue antitrust regulations around the big tech companies, I mean, that could dramatically reshape, um, the, the world of tech. How we do our jobs. Yeah. I I mean, it, it, and whether or not you agree, I mean, I'm not taking a stance there because I, I, I don't like, I also, I similar, I don't like, I also don't like trust. I don't like it when one company controls too much of, of any given market. So like, I, I completely understand um, both sides of the coin there. The, the one thing to just keep in mind is, you know, if this is pursued, um, it could lead to some pretty significant changes. I mean, I don't, I, of course it's impossible to know what those would be, right. but I mean, you could be looking at 
um, a world where Google is split into, I don't know, three businesses, um, one based on search, one that's solely YouTube, one that's like just ad driven. Plus, I don't know, plus the fourth, it could be um, their R&D departments, like their the, the Google incubators. I don't know. I, I mean... We'd have to cover a lot of different bases at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Google's... pretty difficult. Google is massive in terms well, of right. the things that they do. Right. Um, but it's it's impossible to know without the specifics of what that kind of... What kind of details a lawsuit like that would entail. But it, it's just... It's crazy to... Th- I mean, if you think about it, because, yeah, Google's been around for a long time. Google's got its fingers in so many pods. It's, right. like, it's hard to think of what a world might look like with Google broken up. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, mean, I, I can't get through the day without using, yeah. without searching random stuff a hundred times a day. So I, I, I mean, plus all the, not to mention all the different avenues that we use with Google, you know? Yeah. Be, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it kind of be a pain in the ass to, to have to, I don't know if we had to log into a bunch of different stuff and kind of keep track, different algorithms and stuff. I mean, I'm honestly wondering, you know, technically, technically, if they are different companies, um, like let's say it's Facebook, YouTube, mm-hmm. and ads. Mm-hmm. Technically, if they're if if they are broken, if they're forcefully broken into different companies, they all rely on the same algorithm right now, or or variations of of that same sort of proprietary information. They all share data. Um, if they're separate companies, would that be possible? I I don't know. I don't um, know. would they all need to? diversify would they all need to um sort of fine-tune their own bits of the business i mean yeah they probably should they probably are already too um but just crazy to think about yeah i mean and then in terms of like facebook that would mean a world where like facebook messenger instagram there's another there's another app that facebook has their encrypted messaging app um oh um What's up? What, what's well, WhatsApp? WhatsApp. It's like I mean, that could be a world where Facebook is split into its separate app components. Again, it's impossible to know. Don't um, think. That, I don't think it's likely, but definitely it, it, interesting. This is probably a lot of. I mean, it's it's definitely a bit of posturing on the the part of the administration, but it's just it's it's important. I guess the the point. The reason I bring this up is it's just important to always keep in mind that the world we are operating in today could be a drastically different world mm. in just a year in yeah. just, I mean, indefinitely in 10 years, right? How we are doing things today is not going to be the same as what we're doing in 10 years, no. probably not what we're doing in five years. And in some ways it will be different um, next year. We look at our content from a couple, like even two years ago, we're like, what the heck is going on here? It's so. just, yeah, every, everything is, everything is, is likely different. to change. Yep. Um, and then just one last thing on the wor- in the world of Google that I actually just saw when I was reading Ryan's article on Search Engine Roundtable was something that they published this morning um, at 7.52 a.m. It was by Barry Schwartz. And it's it's not <laughs> it's not a lot, um, but it's it's something around um, the idea of, of link equity and sort of um, the signals that that sends to Google in terms of how it prioritizes websites. Um, there was a tweet by, I'm, I'm going to wreck this person's name, uh, Praveen Sharma. That's pretty good. I, that's what I would have said. 
And his website, what his tweet is asking is, if a website is getting links from sites that cover multiple categories, for example, like news, multiple, uh, like news, like a news portal slash multiple category blogs, is that bad for SEO of the website? For example, a tech blog getting links from a site that covers tech, business, entertainment, sports, etc. Any advice? And um, because he's the Superman and like major just social media philanthropist of SEO, um, Google's John Muller replied in the tweet, why would it be bad? Or are you placing those links there yourself? You know, he's asking that oh, as, as an aside. Yeah. Um, the source alone wouldn't make those links bad. And that's really interesting um, because there's always been some discussion around, you know, what makes for a good link or a bad link in terms of link profile and link equity. You know, there's a lot of discussions around you want web, you want links from good websites with high domain authority. Um, you don't want links from bad websites with low domain authority. And there is definitely something to that. Um, I, I'm definitely not saying to just throw that thinking out there, but coming from John Muller, it's just something to keep in mind. You know, he's saying that the source alone isn't what makes the link bad. So that speaks to the idea that in addition to the source, there's probably some other factors in play that Google takes into account when deciding whether or not a link is good or bad. It's not just the source. It's not just the the domain authority of that website. Um, it could be things like, um, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. Could it be placement? It could, I mean, it could be, you know, things, things like the anchor text. It could be things like, um, you know, who else is that website linking to? Like, are mm -hmm. they just a very clearly a spam site? Right. You know, if, if it's, if they are linking to thousands of other non-related content, mm -hmm. um, websites, maybe that has something to do with it. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I just, again, I've just had five minutes to digest it because <laughs> I just saw it while we were talking about that other article. Um, but it's interesting, and it's definitely something that Sean <laughs> yeah, will Sean, probably Sean um, be obsess going crazy over right now. trying to figure out what exactly this means. Um, but my my educated guess would be that what it means is um, where a link comes from is still important. It's still a signal, but it's always taken into account. It's uh, Google the algorithm also takes into account other factors. So it's there's no one factor in anything that Google does um, that overrides anything else. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next week, yes. we are going to be up at the conference up in Boston, the one put on by HubSpot. So it's HubSpot's what, annual what, conference. What's the name of it? Inbound. There we go. <laughs> HubSpot's annual conference in Inbound at, no, Hang on. HubSpot's conference inbound so, in Boston. So technically it is not technically, I'm doing air quotes here, HubSpot's conference. Um, but, it is. But I mean, it, it really yeah, is, it but is. it's not like technically. So they're, um, they're bound, no pun intended, mm. to announce all kinds of goodies and tech and stuff. So we might be able to squeeze in a podcast next yeah, week. We, so don't, we don't know. It's but. sort of, yeah, I know, I know Sean's thinking is that, um, He's always wanted to do something from inbound, so we, we might we might 
do one anyway, but we're not going to have the mics. So the sound quality might be bad. So we might decide to scrap it. We're not entirely sure, but just a couple of things um, ahead of that, just so you have a sense of what's to come from inbound. Um, you know, HubSpot gave us a little bit of a sneak peek um, last, last week, two weeks ago. I don't know. can't remember um, of some of the product announcements that they're going to have. It's a lot of cool stuff. Um, if you're, if you're using HubSpot, or if you are thinking about using HubSpot, you should definitely take a look. We'll include a link to their announcement, but there's things like um, HubSpot Video, which is a really simple video creation software that they're they're rolling out as a part of the um, as a part of the the software. Um, they're announcing that their CMS, their content management system, um, as a I believe as a standalone product. So even if you don't have um, the rest of the software, if you wanted to use the CMS instead of say WordPress or Wistia, not Wistia, um, Wix or something else, mm. in theory you could, I'm not sure. I, I don't have any thoughts there, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally like WordPress a lot as just a standalone CMS. I mean, the, the value of using HubSpot as a CMS is in using it in conjunction with the software because right. you can just tailor so much stuff on your website. Right. So if you're using HubSpot, totally makes sense to use the CMS. If, if you're not using the software, I just don't know what value there. Yeah, right. personally, I'm, I'm not, I have no opinion there. Um, and then also just a whole bunch of new features at the enterprise level of all of the software, um, whether that's marketing, sales, or their new um, service slash support hub. So pretty cool and whether it's next week or the week after, we are definitely going to be talking a lot oh, about sure. HubSpot on the next episode of The Stack. So if we're going to be doing a bunch of videos and in, in live uh, on Instagram and stuff from HubSpot. So if you're not already following us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, so go and go and follow us and we'll keep you updated on whatever we're doing up there. Um, so I think... That's it for this week. That is it for me. If uh, if you enjoyed what you've heard, we'd love it if you subscribed on iTunes and leave us a review. We'd also love it if you emailed us or hit us up on social media to share your comments, questions, or feedback. So we will hopefully be back with you next Friday. So and, we'll, go ahead. And just again, if not, definitely the following Friday. Right. Right. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.